What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we are recapping SEC Week 6, getting you ready for Week 7. And you know what time of the week it is. It's time to catch up with our buddy Chris Marler from the Saturday Football Uncensored podcast. Look how happy he is. He's ecstatic to be here. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. Great to have you guys along. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more right now. Uh, new customers can bet $5, get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network covering your team every day. Let's jump into it. Our buddy Chris Marler joins us as uh, we do this time of week every week, Marler. Let's take a little bit of a look back to SEC Week 6. Biggest storylines to you coming out of this past weekend? Georgia's back. Georgia beat a yeah. pretty bad Kentucky team. Um, and we're going to we're gonna really, really hype them up now as to be national contenders, which they probably are. But they really are still, in my opinion, just because they don't have to play anybody. Um it, it is it is so Big Ten of Georgia this year to not have to play anyone with a pulse until the month of November and then <laughs> pretend like they've been a contender this entire time. Like it, it is the like them in Michigan are like the Spider Man meme. Um, but I will say that Carson Beck looks phenomenal. That was really that was really fun to watch. Um, defense looked like they were getting a little bit better, um, especially stopping the run. Then the other stuff is I, LSU. Like this this team will go as far as I want to say the offense will take them, but that's not the case. It's like how far the defense will take them. Um, which is tough because, you know, that defense has given up a ton of yards and a ton of points, but a big win at a Mizzou. And then last but not least, Dynasty is still alive for another week. So <laughs> fun win in College Station for Bama. I was really impressed with it. Despite all of um, Jimbo's best efforts and the refs, uh, Bama walks away with the victory. <laughs> well, let's, let's dive into a couple of those. First, uh, you, you started with Georgia, so I want to start there. Um, they that's the Georgia team we expected to see from the get-go. We knew with the schedule being not great, you know, they needed some motivation. And I think they finally got that motivation a week ago, Marler, because so many people were picking Kentucky to win that game a week ago. And I think that momentum started to build. I think Georgia kind of woke up finally and went, yeah, we slept walk through South Carolina. Yeah, we slept walk through Auburn. Oh, wait, everybody's picking Kentucky to win this? Bull crap. And they came out and, you know, we got, we saw their best effort. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I don't know what idiots were trying to pick Kentucky in that game, but that is that that's a whole other problem, a whole other set of issues we can talk about. But no, I mean, like I, Georgia did look really good. I think that that like, listen, it's hard, it's hard to fight complacency when you've won two national championships. It's really hard to fight complacency week in and week out with that schedule because um, you know that you're better than everyone you're going to face. You're better than all other thirteen teams in this league, and possibly you know every other team in the country, and so when you have the opportunity to turn it on and you know that you can, you can pull away from people, it's probably pretty, pretty simple to kind of rest on your laurels or, or, or whatever you want to say, really impressed with not just from like a, a program standpoint, like the fans showed up, like the team showed up, obviously Mike Bobo was in his bag all night. And I thought that there was a really good thing to look at this team now moving forward because there's nobody else on the schedule besides Ole Miss and, and Tennessee that will come close to Georgia. I mean, yeah, to Georgia, but 
now you can kind of go into this locker room if you're Kirby Smart and say, like, hey, this is what we're capable of being, right? And like when we want to be, when we want to be on, nobody in the country can stop us. And that was on full display on Saturday. It is crazy too. I mean, Brock Bowers continues to to put up crazy numbers and you know, three straight 100 yard receiving games. He's clearly by far and away the best tight end in the country. But yeah, talk talk me down. I mean, Marler, I'm hearing people still start to throw out he should be in the Heisman competition. I, I just look, Kyle Pitts was a great tight end at Florida. Mm-hmm. He was the best in the country that year. He went top five in the draft. I still don't think Kyle Pitts deserved to be anywhere near the Heisman ceremony. Brock Bowers had a game this year where he had one catch for three yards. To me, right. the Heisman winner must be week in and week out, week out, the reason you are winning that game. And it's nothing against Brock Bowers. I think he's no. great. I just don't think he deserves to get the award for best player in the country. Yeah, if I'm being completely honest, and, and I, I, I know I've kind of given Georgia crap to start the show, Georgia's the best team in the country. Kirby is, I mean, I think they are at least. Kirby's the best coach in the country, best program, all that kind of stuff. So let me... Build you up before I break you down. The whole thing with Brock Bowers is kind of ridiculous. It, it, like, like he is a very, very good player. And I'm not saying he shouldn't be invited to New York or the fact that he should not, you know, be in consideration for the Heisman. But this whole assumption that, like, or just, you know, it's become reality. He, he's Beyonce. Like, at some point overnight, everyone's like, you know what? He's untouchable. He's the best, he's the best tight end in the country. He deserves to be in the Heisman. And Georgia fans will love to get a chip on their shoulder about anything. So having somebody that is he's clearly the best player in the country, is he? We played five games. Like our six <laughs> games. One of the one of the six games he had one catch for three yards against like what UAB? I mean, or it wasn't UAB, but whoever it was, like like it is that they played one of the worst schedules in the country. They played the easiest schedule, I think, or the second easiest schedule in the in the entire SEC. He's been really, really good because he is really, really good. He's better than Kyle Pitts was. He's probably the best tight end we've seen in 20 plus years in college football. But the fact that there's been, you know, Kyle Pitts, I think finished 10th in the Heisman voting that year. And he was, he was the first tight end to to play since 1977. I would love to see that, that kind of busted, I guess this year and and have a tight end because he does deserve to be in the, in talks of it. This whole thing about how, because I can already hear the narrative now, Gordy. That's probably what I'm trying to say is like, I already hear the narrative now is like, well, it's a, it's a quarterback driven award. It's, It's a, you know, like scoring awards, whoever's on the best team in the best country. That's the only reason he's being talked about. If, if he was like, if he was a tight end for Wyoming, putting up these numbers, nobody would care, but right. he's really, really good. He's not going to win the Heisman. And the whole talk about how like afterwards is, is already going to be from Georgia fans. Well, he should have won the Heisman. He's the best player in the country, but they just don't want to give it to him. Okay. For accuracy, accuracy sake, it was the ball state game. He had one catch, Ooh. three yards. UAB was his first 100 yard game of the year, and now he's had three in a row. So, two titans in industry there. <laughs> yeah, Georgia's schedule's just been, uh, they get Vandy this week. We'll get on, we'll get to that Ooh. one later. Um, I did want to take you to task a little bit, though, with you, you said Kentucky. Uh, people were crazy for thinking that. I, I think Kentucky still is a good team. Mm-hmm. I think they have a chance to still. Am I crazy to think this team could still have have a 10-win season? Like, I heard Mark Stoops say, like, look, those guys are really good. And even to the point where he's calling out Kentucky fans going, oh, you want players like Georgia? Why don't you step up and pay for them? Because that's yeah. the game we play now with NIL. But, like, I still think with Devin Leary and the way Ray Davis is running the football, still the SEC leading rusher, like, Kentucky, could, if they regroup and get back on the same page, they can still not run the table, but I think get the 10 wins. Completely agree. Um, I think a lot of that will, will – will probably come down to what happens this weekend. I mean, their, their schedule is, I said this before the season started, 
if you put a G on that helmet, we would be talking a lot more about that schedule because that schedule is the only schedule in the, in the SEC that's worse than, than Georgia's, at least it was going into last week. Um, it has been a very, very weak slate for them, uh, which I think is why they got off such a good start. I mean, listen, before last week, they played one road game, and it was at Vandy. Like they, they, They've had a very, very easy start to the season. I will say that I don't think you're crazy at all for thinking they can win 10 games, including the bowl game, because, you know, Mizzou is a team they've had, they've gotten the best of. South Carolina is a team they've gotten the best of. They've already beat Florida. Um, and now you're talking about, like, who's left? Tennessee, Alabama. So I think nine wins is doable for sure. Um, and they get Tennessee and Alabama both at home. So I think it's doable. I think that Devin Leary is going to have to step up if, if they are going to, because he is nowhere near the quarterback we thought we were getting when he came into the league out of the transfer portal. Yeah, right now, and again, we'll see how how times change in the next couple of weeks. But right now, Tennessee looks, you know, that could be a winnable game for Kentucky. Alabama, I don't know the way the Alabama's defense is really coming on. But their toughest game might be at Louisville to finish the season, who's still undefeated, right? Yeah. Louisville, so they just beat Notre Dame. So that, that one becomes way more difficult for Kentucky than maybe we initially thought. Uh, one more before we get into the games this week. You mentioned the dynasty isn't dead. Alabama is... Uh, Rallying around that defense, they are suffocating. That second half against AM, Max Johnson had no time to throw the football. They got after it. Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, I mean, they're just, they're suffocating. And look, the offense starting to show some signs of life. Jalen Milrow finding Jermaine Burton. Could this be a foundation of something that's going to get better and better? Having Jermaine Burton and, and the words foundation better and better at the same time <laughs> seems like I, we should go to jail immediately. That kid is the worst. Um, no, I think I think that like it is a really, really good sign for what's happening because they're starting to stack weeks and they are listen, I I make a bunch of that. I've said it on here a bunch of times. I'm a I'm I grew up a Bama fan. I am was like born into that. Um I've picked them to lose three out of the six games they've played so far. And and it's been the surprise that they've won um two of those three, I think. Now I will say that the defense has been really great, but Jalen Milrow has been even better, or maybe even better. He's been really, really good. He's had a couple of times where it's like you know, still making some mistakes, like rolling out to his right and deciding not to throw the ball away and taking a sack for four or five, six yards. Um, don't like that. But that defense, listen, like if we're being honest, like the all the talk has been about about Jimbo and he should have gone for fourth and one and he kicked the field goal and all this other stuff. That game is nowhere close if it's not for some questionable at best calls that were made by the refs late in that second half. I mean, like this is the third time in the last six road games that Alabama has had 10 or more penalties called on them over their, their opponent. And you can say what you want to about the dynasty and, and, and it's like declining and like, you know, Saban seems not being disciplined, but it, it was on full display. I think anybody that watched that game was like, this is a little bit out of control. Bama should have walked away with that game. They, they should have walked away with that game and hats off to Jalen Milrow is that kid Every single week he's doubted from from not just like his own fan base, but also from around the country. And all he does is step up. And he's been I, I tell you what's been most impressive about Milro is that he's been able to put the team on his back at times to win the games, right? Like against Ole Miss, did it, did it over here. Um what do you call it? Like at AM. But that's a team that had Bama had 13 rushing yards in the fourth quarter and had 13 penalties at the same time. Like that's not a recipe for success. And with that, that him and progressing in the intermediate passing game. Um, they're they're probably you know a, a 500 team. Yeah, and and look, one of the other big storylines of the weekend was conservative Jimbo on like, hey Jimbo, Jimbo's still coaching like it's 2008 when it's 2023. Yeah. Like you got to be bold, you got to take chances. Conservative football well, does not win in this league. 
Let me let me push back on that just for a second because I, I I fully I'm always on board to criticize Jimbo always and I, for whatever reason I and I'll just say it to your listeners I'm in a little bit of a mood today and I'm I'm just sorry already so because I, I know I'm being negative about Georgia I don't want to be negative about about I'll try to get myself out of it and I apologize but like I'm always okay to, to crap on Jimbo um, I don't think he deserves it in this case because here's the thing we saw it in this game right third and short first drive. They, they get stopped. Goes for it on fourth down. They get stopped. He could have come away with points to start that game, right? Instead, they get stopped on fourth down inside the red zone. We saw it last year, and I know he was the one calling plays last year. We saw him get stopped on fourth down or, or whatever it was at the end of the game where they had a chance on the on one or two-yard line to win, and, and he couldn't dial up a play to win. So he couldn't do it last year. He couldn't do it this year. And we've seen teams like Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. That's been one of the reasons they've lost these games is because of how aggressive they were being on fourth down against Alabama, it doesn't always pay off. So I don't think it was like I, I get hindsight's twenty twenty, but I, I think he's catching a little bit of unfair heat. Yeah, I just again like what we've seen throughout the years is the teams that that beat Alabama are are bold and not afraid to like I mean Texas earlier this season. Mm-hmm. Steve Sarkeesian could have leaned on, hey, we have a we have a lead late. Let's just sit on the ball. Let's run clock. He said, no, we're gonna keep throwing it. We're gonna keep taking shots. Bold beats Bama, not yeah. conservative hey let's hey let's settle for that field goal hey let's make it a six score game like the six point game like no go for the kill shot that's how yeah. you beat Saban Saban yeah. wants you to be conservative all right we'll get into preview in this whole slate of games happening this weekend at SEC week seven Chris Marler in just a sec but first this episode is presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel look we've been telling you guys about FanDuel all season long and now is your chance to step into the college action or the NFL action with FanDuel they are America's number one sports book right now new customers get those $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet that's $200 of bonus bets win or lose if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel there's no better time to get in on the action the app is super easy to use there's a wide range of betting options including spreads Player props, over-unders, all of it is up there for you. I think a lot of the SEC games happening this weekend there as well. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off your college uh, betting season or NFL season, whatever it is, with FanDuel. They are the official partner of the NFL. Go check them out today. All right, as we dive back into it with our buddy Chris Marler from the uh, College Football Uncensored podcast. Marler, we got some uh, game. Uh, what is it? Saturday Football Uncensored? Saturday Football Uncensored. You do this every week. <sighs> you know, I'm just going to start letting you promote what it is because I can't keep up. <laughs> Welcome like to my pyramid that, team with Marler. Yeah, you get that thing. You get that those words etched in your brain. It's hard to get yeah. them out. But uh, Saturday Football Uncensored podcast with Tyler Huck. He does a, a great job there. Uh, they curse a lot on their podcast. We're not allowed to here, so uh, we'll keep it clean for for family fun here. Yeah, uh, Marlon, let's jump into it. We got six SEC games in Week Seven. Uh, the both the Mississippi schools they have a bye week, so Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss, looking pretty good. The one loss to mm-hmm. Bama, they they can be lurking in the shadows. If LSU could pull off that upset over Bama in a couple weeks, Ole Miss still maybe a shot at the West. We'll yeah, see. A lot, lot, lot of games to get to before we get there. At Mississippi State, they needed the respite. I mean. Yeah, they beat who was it like Western Michigan or something, but like it, they didn't cover the spread, so they just Mississippi State just needed a timeout. Let's just get a breather, yeah. catch our breath, and, and, and bounce back. All right, let's get to a couple of games this weekend. First up, eleven a.m. Central, noon Eastern on CBS. This is actually a, a doubleheader CBS on Saturday. It's number one Georgia at Vandy. I don't know why in the world you, uh, CBS would want to pick this game up. I guess just 
won it with the number one team, but Georgia, a 31 and a half point favorite on the road in Nashville. Do you know how many yards that Vanderbilt has gained in, in the last two games combined against Georgia? Oh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be minimal. 222. <laughs> That's total. total. In two years. Wow. Now, listen, I'm petty and I hold grudges, but nobody holds a grudge like Kirby Smart, apparently, because he's still mad about that 2020 senior bowl or senior night game um, that Vanderbilt kind of screwed UGA out of. So I think this is a blowout. What's the line on it? 31 and a half. Oh, my gosh. Hammer, Georgia. Like, listen, here's the thing. Georgia has outscored Vanderbilt 30. I'm sorry, not 30. That's the, that's the line. Georgia has outscored Vanderbilt 117 to nothing over the last two years. So, if you're looking for a letdown, I don't know where you'd find one. Baby's given up points to everybody this year. Um, I don't feel like they're going to have a lot on offense to go. And, and, like, again, Kirby can reach into his bag a little bit and say, like, hey, like, this is what you're capable of, right? Because they get they go into a bye week next week before they get Florida. So, right. like, this is what you're capable of being. Um, so, go out there and prove a point and, and flex your muscle. Because, like, I think now we're getting closer and closer to October – and the rankings don't matter. As long as you win every game for Georgia ahead of you, like it doesn't matter. But like I do think that they that team probably got a taste a little bit of like what success could look like and, and how how good of a team they can be. And I, I just expect it to continue this weekend. Yeah, I get the vibe. This was like a fifty-five to ten type game. I know Vandy's yeah. offense has, has been much improved. They've they're moving the football. Will Shepard's been good. London Humphreys, I think, is the, the freshman who's been good. But uh, AJ or uh, Ken Seals has done a good job filling in for AJ Swan. He's moved the ball. They just, again, they're not coming close in some of these games. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably lean Georgia minus the points. Georgia wins big. And, and by the way, uh, Georgia's going to bring that, that stadium's going to be all Georgia fans. No offense to Vandy, but. And construction workers, though. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. They're still going to be working on, working on that. Vandy starts two and five, two and oh. They're now two and five, about to go to two and six. So here's here's a fun fact for you too. Since they didn't play in 2020, um, Vanderbilt hasn't scored a touchdown on Georgia in five years. Wow. Well, that's good luck, guys. We'll see. I'm going to give them one this week. I think 55 yeah. to 10 is the final. Uh, and also at 11 a.m. Central, this will be on ESPN. It is Arkansas uh, licking their wounds, just like absolutely stumbling into Tuscaloosa. Alabama, a 19-point favorite in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, I know Arkansas has got potential, K.J. Jefferson, mm -hmm. Rocket Sanders, but my God, we have not seen it this year. It's been bad, and the Dan Enos hire looks rough. Dan Enos sucks, I'll say it. I, Dan Enos, I, the fact that he got another job in this league after the way he left Tuscaloosa is mind-blowing to me, and it's a disservice to what they have with, with this offense with K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders because the, the one problem I could see is like they don't have an offensive line that's been able to hold up but they also don't have anybody like outside of Rocket Sanders to catch the ball, right? Right? They don't have any like elite skill position guys um, that are able to challenge anyone. I feel like in the SEC, so it's been a lot more rough of a start than you would you would have anticipated or, or wanted to see from Arkansas. Um, I will tell you this: I think this is a good spot for Arkansas. I don't think they're going to win. I think this would be a very very close game for a lot of it because of the fact that Alabama's coming off a game where they they are on the road against college or uh, against A and M. They had a, a road game for against Mississippi State before that, and then you had that game against Ole Miss. Like two of those three games are pretty big emotional games. You got to get up for right. You got Tennessee hanging in the shadows here next week. They come to Tuscaloosa for a, for a revenge game that I know they're pumped up for. It is very easy to overlook this Arkansas game. It's an 11 a.m. start, so you know that the student section won't be there until about what 
They'll be there for 45 minutes total. It'll be like me at one of my friend's baby showers. Like, okay, I'll be here for a second. Drop off the gifts and I got to go. Um, so I think that I think that it's a pretty good spot for a sleepy kind of hangover type game for Alabama. And, and we'll see if Arkansas can take advantage of it. But it is, it is the definition of a trap game. I, I don't think they, they're going to beat Bama. But coming out of College Station with that win, getting Tennessee next week, it is the absolute definition of a trap game. Yeah, I would. I would. My initial inclination would be to lean Arkansas plus the nineteen, just because that's so many points. But yeah, you know, Bama wins by fourteen. You know, uh, twenty-eight to fourteen, something like right. that. Like I, I could see that because the Bama offense it, it's becoming around, but I still don't think they're thirty, thirty-five points a game good yet. No. So uh, again, they haven't they haven't gained over three hundred and sixty-five yards of offense in five straight games. First wow. time in the last fifteen years since under saving has happened. No, uh, look, they, they just got to keep trying to run the ball, uh, and uh, if they can, if they can get the ground game going, then that's when Bama will really, will start to see what what they're supposed to be. One more yeah. game this segment, it's a big one. Two thirty Central, three thirty Eastern on the SEC Network. It is four and two Florida at two and three South Carolina. This is a massive game for Shane Beamer. I mean, it, it's at home. They are two point favorites at Williams Bryce Stadium, but. If South Carolina loses loses this one, you're at two and four. I don't think there's four more wins on the schedule, Marler. Like getting mm. even get to a bowl game, they're not going to get there if they lose this one. So must win for Shane Beamer for Billy Napier. They've been not great on the road. They they've got to figure out what's going on. They're changing up their travel schedule to try to see if that helps alter things. But for some reason, Florida has just struggled on the road this year. The struggle on the road the past couple of years. They have, they don't have a division win on the road since 2020. Um, I, I believe it. Uh, not great, not great. So I think this will be interesting for a lot of reasons. I I, I was kind of shocked when I heard how much has been put on on the this game for Shane Beamer, like it being like his most important game. You got Carolina fans asking this is the most important game of his entire tenure, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, but maybe it is. I, I I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit short sighted just because of the fact that like he had so much success just a year ago. Um. There's just a lot of stuff on this team, a lot of parts of this team that on both sides, really, like if you, if you put these two teams together, you might have a nine win team. If you, if you combine both of these teams together, you might have a nine, 10 win team. Spencer Rattler has been great. Graham Mertz has been a lot better than expected. Right. Um, the run game for Florida, Florida has been really good. The offensive line has just been so bad for South Carolina. Um, and I wonder what that looks like for, for, um, for Florida being able to go up against it because that those two teams are last in the SEC in sacks so far this year. So it's not like they've exactly gotten after quarterback. Florida has been very, very underwhelming to watch, but they've they've had the big win against Tennessee. I think this could be a, a huge this this wouldn't be as big of a win for Napier as Beamers was last year against Clemson or Tennessee, but it would be a really, really big feather in the cap for him to say Look, we went on the road. We beat a team that a lot of people thought was going to finish ahead of us in the SEC East, and now we have another block to build on um, foundationally for this for this program. I I think they get it done. South Carolina just there's just nothing they've done, even coming off the bye week. There's just nothing they've done that has really blown me away. And and Spencer Rattler's been great, but he's he just doesn't have a lot of help around him. So who who do, you're taking Florida? Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm going to go South Carolina just because, again, they can't afford to lose this one. They got to find a way. So dig deep. All right. We'll get to the other three games in the conference with Marlon right after this. 
All right, and continue on here on Locked On SEC. We want to remind you this episode is presented to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. Look, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. It's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. They're going to help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Just go to their website. You add your job listing and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. That's going to help spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy for you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality uh, qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, and uh, LinkedIn jobs going to help you do that. Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Go check them out the holiday season right around the corner. If you're going to be hiring, LinkedIn Jobs is going to help you out. LinkedIn.com slash college. And continuing on with our buddy Chris Marler from uh, the Saturday Football Uncensored podcast. And uh, Marler, as we dive back into it, three uh, pretty big games this week around the conference. We'll start with... Uh, we'll start with a couple of the night ones. Let's start with uh, 630 Central, 730 Eastern on the SEC Network. It is 5-1 Mizzou at 5-1 Kentucky. A week ago, Marla, we're talking about, oh, my God, these two teams are undefeated. They're having such a great uh, run. We're literally talking about somebody's going to come out of this weekend on a two-game losing streak and suddenly start feeling bad about themselves. Yeah. Um, now, again, this is one of those things, too, where I feel like every single time these two play – something horrifically wrong happens to to Mizzou. Um, there's still a lot of positives, right? Like, I think that, like, part of last week, Brady Cook, it, it finally it gets brought back down to earth because he's been playing at a ridiculous clip that nobody saw coming all season. Luther Burden's still, like, putting up Heisman talk numbers, if we're being honest. I know we talked about it earlier. It's like he's, he's had over 100 yards, I think, in five straight games. He leads the entire country in receiving yards. They've done some really, really good things well. They just kind of ran into a buzzsaw last week, just like Kentucky did. Um, I like Mizzou in this one, man. I really do. I think I think they're a more sound football team. I think they're a more dynamic football team than Kentucky because I think Kentucky is one of these teams like we saw a couple years ago in 2018 with like Benny Snell or maybe even 2019 when when you have like uh, Terry Wilson and Lynn Bowden where you have to rely on on like running the football only. Devin Leary just has not been that guy, and I think that Mizzou needs this one probably a little bit more than Kentucky. And I think Mizzou is probably licking their wounds a little bit less. Um, than Kentucky is because like if, like listen, if you're Mizzou, you were ahead in that game, you lost it in heartbreaking fashion, and you, and you had like the nail in the coffin with the, the pick six at the end. But you're looking at that thinking like, man, we really could have won that game. We had a 22-7 lead. Sure, we blew it, but like we could have won that game. We're very very close to being six and zero. And if you're Kentucky, you're like all the confidence we had going into Athens to get absolutely boat raced by by them on national TV. You're looking at it now thinking, like, I mean, you have to be questioning how good of a team you are because of how embarrassed you were a week ago. I like, I like Mizzou in this one. That's a great point. So Kentucky's a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. I, I'm just leaning more towards Stoops is going to convince his team to flush it. Mm-hmm. Act like last week didn't happen. Let's get back to looking at some of that film and what worked against Florida and all that, and let's do that. But you're right. Mizzou, yeah, they have to be looking at that LSU film going, God, we left some some stuff out there. And, uh, you know, look, there's no shame in losing to Jaden Daniels. That offense is one of the best in the country, not just the SEC. Yeah. But Mizzou can say, let's go do what we do. Let's go score our points in Lexington. Let's go get a big road win. So I'm with you. This is a big one. I'm just going to lean Kentucky just because it's at home. If it was in 
Como, I think I would take Mizzou. So very, yeah. very 50-50 game this week. Uh, another one happening in Death Valley. This one's always a good rivalry. LSU-Auburn, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN. 3-2 and two Auburn at 4-2 LSU. LSU an 11-point home favorite. I get it. It just feels like a lot of points for a team's defense that's been struggling. Yeah, but I mean, look at Auburn's offense. That's an offense that's really been struggling too. And like, I get that they they were close against against Georgia, but at the same time, like you had a turnover inside the thirty yard line that really kind of aided them in that. Um, I I trust LSU way more than I trust Auburn. Now they are coming off a bye week, so maybe Hugh rallied the troops. Hugh made a phone call to every every parent and member of the family <laughs> for every every player on that team, which I think is a hell of a way to spend the off week. Um, just the the news that comes out of Auburn will never not be funny to me. But I will say this: their six of the last seven games have been decided by five points or less in this rivalry. I don't think that happens here, but I do expect to see an Auburn team come out like fired up, ready to go. Maybe a couple of new things in the passing game um, because that's where you have to attack LSU. I've seen people say this like about LSU, like oh you gotta you gotta throw it on them, you gotta run it on them. Like you know like like their their run defense is so bad, their their passing well, the whole defense is bad. The whole defense is bad, but they are especially bad in the secondary. So I think that if you're Auburn, you come back out, maybe you've been working on some stuff in the passing game, and the only way you're going to get a team like LSU is to get them early. And, and even sometimes that won't work because we saw it last week with um, with Mizzou, and they were up 22-7 to and still blew that lead at home. So I still say the only way you're going to be able to beat LSU, you cannot get into a track meet with them, okay, because they're really yeah. saying bolt right now with the way that, um, that Jaden Jams is playing. So – I, I like LSU to win this one. I like LSU to win big. And I, I think that we're starting to see what we saw a year ago, which is just they're slowly building, they're slowly stacking weeks, and, and they've, they've been really good. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting. I mean, yeah, if you're Auburn, I think you're thinking defense. we got to get some turnovers. we got to get mm-hmm. stops on third down. That's the only way you beat LSU because you mentioned it too. They were down big to Ole Miss and came back in that one. And yeah. Ole Miss goes on the game-winning drive late. But LSU still had a chance in the final seconds to, to try to win that game. And, of course, the late rally against Mizzou, they did it. So even if you get an early lead on LSU, that offense is dangerous enough, they can come back. And there's been talk that they brought in Pete Jenkins to help coach that D-line. We saw much better pressure last week on the defensive line for LSU. We saw the two turnovers, Harold Perkins with an interception, Major Burns with the pick six. Don't let that defense get a little confidence now. Maybe yeah. LSU starts to come together defensively, and with the way that offense is playing, that's going to be a problem for a lot of hey, people. So, Listen, Gordy, you gave up 55. Then you gave up 39. So that's 16 points plus. <laughs> this week you give up 23, and next week you're down to seven. That's how that works. We call that progress in the we SEC. All right, the game of the week, Marler, in the SEC. It is uh, te- 4-2 Texas A&M at mm-hmm. number 19 Tennessee, 3.30 Eastern on CBS. Uh, Tennessee about a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. To me, this is all about how does A&M respond, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we saw them respond very well from the loss to Miami at Miami. Uh, defense had really played well. Defense played well, honestly, against Alabama overall. Yes, they let Jermaine Burton get loose, but they still got pressure on the quarterback. They got some sacks on Jalen Milrow. The defense kept them in that game last week. The A&M offensive line played terribly in the second half. How good is Tennessee's defense? We've heard they're so much improved this year. Can they get pressure? Can they disrupt that A&M offensive line? But to me, the other side of it, Marler, is we know how good the A&M defense has been. Uh, Joe Milton has not been lights out. Like It's been very up and down so far. So just so many storylines in this one. But how does A&M respond from the loss? And what is Joe Milton? Are you the real deal or not? I mean, he's not, but can he 
make enough big plays because here's here's the thing that's scary if you're if you're Texas A and M is that like if if you were looking at a blueprint for getting beat by Alabama, it, it was not Jalen Milrow is going to line up and just throw the football all over the yard because that is the blueprint that that Tennessee has probably drawn up like like a, a more than once under Josh Heupel's offense, even though they are a run first offense. Um, you know, I, I will say like we've said this over and over. The way to beat Tennessee is to be able to stop the run with light boxes, and then they make them beat you over the top. And that is something that A and M is really good at. Because that front seven has played out of their mind over the last couple of weeks. They're coming off twenty total sacks in the last three games um, total. And then you know, I, I don't even know how many tackles for loss they had last week, but they had thirty in the two games prior. So I think if you're Tennessee, you're going to try to like do what you do on offense, which is get everyone out wide and then and, and spread the spread like the, the defense a little bit thin. So if you can stop them with a light box, which take Texas A&M can do, um, I like A&M in this game. I think they're the better team. Now, the, the scary part is like because because I don't think that even what we saw last week, like they don't throw the ball downfield as much as I thought they would with Joe Milton. I mean, he could throw it a mile and they seem to throw the ball within two yards of the line of scrimmage almost on every single down. A lot of screen passes and stuff like that. I don't think Joe Milton is a guy that's accurate enough to dink and dunk and, and beat you with an intermediate passing game um, all day like like we've seen in the past um, or like we saw like like Alabama do last week. So with Milton, he's got to be on his best, best A game, right? You are at home, which is huge. Uh, I But I just, you know, maybe I'm dumb. Maybe I just haven't seen enough at Tennessee, but – I don't think I don't think South Carolina is a is a team that I want to have as the benchmark for my overall success. And I think right now when you look at Tennessee, that's been their best game against a two and three team. So I think A and M's able to get in there and, and rally the troops because they are a better football team top to bottom. I think they beat Tennessee in Knoxville. Yeah, see, I think Tennessee run game is the difference. They've been so good running the football with uh, Smart and, and 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 you know, look, they they've just been. Uh, Jalen's uh, Jabari Small and Jalen Wright. I just think that their run game has been uh, the difference maker, and so I think they will be this weekend. Give me Tennessee minus the three and a half. He is Chris mm-hmm. Marler, of course, the Saturday Football Uncensored podcast. Marler, thanks for the time as always, man. We'll do it again next week. Of course, you'd have a safe trip back. All right, that's uh, Chris Marler there of the Saturday Football Uncensored podcast. That's going to do it for me, Chris Gordy, here on Locked on SEC. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. And uh, shout out to our everydayers coming back every day and checking us out. We'll be back tomorrow right here with more Locked on SEC. Come on back and see us. You are Locked on SEC. 